friends, it's Shauna, your nerdy girlfriend and life coach from simpleonpurpose.ca. Welcome to the Simple On Purpose podcast. We're going to jump right into this one because this is part two, following up on episode 119. I haven't given it a title yet, but that episode, I would go back and listen to it. It is all about our tolerance of emotions in our children and the value of bringing emotional intelligence into our parenting can bring into our kids' lives and really our lives. So this episode is about the steps, the steps for emotional intelligence. And I'm going to answer some of your great questions at the end that were sent in to me. So John Gottman has written Raising an Emotionally Intelligent Child. I'm going to link to my summary on that book that I wrote some years ago. And I am taking this information from what I've learned in his book and in his course on emotion coaching on the five steps, the five main steps. I'm going to run through them here for you guys. The first one is awareness, awareness of emotions. And I think what's really fascinating is that I noticed my three different kids will act in three different ways when they're experiencing a certain emotion. They handle boredom differently. They handle um, the feeling of loneliness differently. They all handle it differently. And I've just learned from watching them. Just watch, when they're doing things that are irritating others or um, causing drama in my life, I know that there's some kind of emotion that it's stemming from. And so I just try to start putting the pieces together. And over the years, I think that I've started to be able to read them, read how they're acting, what they're doing, what they're saying, and how they're feeling. And the more you do this, the more you can catch things at a lower level before things start to escalate. Because just like um, just like us, we have all day long low level emotions that are starting to just brew up and then they just pile up and pile up and then they feel extreme and now we're acting in more extreme ways. And then it can be really hard to unpack what are what we're feeling, why we're feeling it, what we're why we're handling our lives like this. So this is a process of practicing practicing it in ourselves as well as moms, we want to be watching our emotional thermometer, so to say, throughout the day. Because we are acting based on how we feel. And so much of the problems in our life and the problems that our kids are making for themselves are because of how they're acting. So when we start to catch these feelings earlier and manage these feelings, we can start to show up in healthier ways in our home. This is emotional intelligence. Emotional self-control is a big part of this. So emotional awareness, step one, what are you feeling? And how is this making you act? I think that's a really good add-on question that we can help older kids talk about and that we can think of in ourselves. Like, how am I acting when I feel stressed? Most moms know their stress behaviors. So we can start to notice, oh, these behaviors are coming up. I'm stressed. Let's dial it back. Let's figure out what's going on. So emotional awareness, it is the foundation for understanding what's going on for you internally. And remember, everything internally is going to have an external result. So this is why it's so important. And it's a huge component of coaching, understanding what's going on in your thoughts and your feelings in your body, because that impacts how you're acting. Are you yelling? Are you shouting? Are you disciplining? Are you shutting down? All of this comes from how you're feeling inside. So pay attention to that. The next step is understanding that emotions are a chance to connect. And if this doesn't feel totally false in the moment, I don't know what else would, because when your kid's being a monster or they're blaming you or they're just so angry with everyone, whatever emotion, maybe there's a hard emotion that you don't have a big tolerance for in your kids, the last thing you want to do is connect with them, right? And the idea that this is actually a great chance to step in and let them know that like, 
I still got you. Like I can handle you. I'm here. I'm here for this. I'm here to walk you through this. And it's not going to be like this every time. Let's start working on this. To see that as an opportunity, I think that's that's huge, right? Because I always look at this moment as my kids have a gap. They have a gap in their skills that need support. And I don't think this means we always go into these things when they're yelling at us. And I'll get to that later. But to just see this as a moment and a chance that our kid actually needs us and we can connect with them. Gottman outlines here that it's really important to have different expectations for different ages. Because emotional intelligence in a three-year-old looks a lot differently than it does in a 13-year-old, right? Like when they are smaller, we are just working on the basics of emotional regulation, like managing those big feels. So if you have a like three to six-year-old, this feels accurate because they have big feels and they're not always expressing themselves in healthy ways. And then we move on to problem solving later in the game. As the kids get a little bit older and they're able to kind of manage their life needs, now they need support in solving their problems. And then moving forward with that and solving problems and bringing their emotions into the mix at the same time. A time of day that I personally love to do this is bedtime. And in our house, we take, me and Connor each take about 15 to 20 minutes with each kid. We're just rotating for like 45 minutes an hour between seven and eight every night. I wouldn't give this up for anything. I know it's a big commitment, but I wouldn't give it up for anything at this point. We sit with them, we read, I ask them about their day, I ask them about their friends and school and what they're worried about, and I always ask them, do you need my help with anything? And it's taken a bit to establish this conversation, but now at least the older two, because my kids are 10, 8, and 6, the older two They'll, they'll engage with it. They're talking about their lives with me. They're talking about the problems that they need help with. The third step is to label the emotions. And there are lots of ways to do this. I think this is something that you probably have noticed has been brought into school in kindergarten, in grade one. They are learning to identify different emotions. They look at pictures of faces. They draw pictures of faces. They draw different colors. And just the more conversations you have about this in general, I think it's just easier in the moment to help your kids label their emotions. And I think this is great for adults as well, because there's so many moms I coach where I ask them how they're feeling. And sometimes they're just at a total loss and they can tell me like, well, not good. They can't pinpoint the feeling. They're maybe not even aware of all of the options out there. If you've ever looked at a feelings chart, you're like, oh, wow, there's a lot of options. And sometimes I can really identify with some of these. So just bringing that into the conversation. I had a question about how to practice emotional intelligence daily, kind of like brushing your teeth, like a daily habit, something simple. And I think this is a great opportunity, a temperature check-in, just a check-in. It could be in the morning. It could be in the evening. My son is in grade four and he tells me that his teacher does this. He, she asks the kids, what color are you today? What color are you feeling? And it's not about her solving their problems. It's just a time for each kid to check in. And maybe she's gauging the range of the class to know where people are at. But it's just really powerful because it starts the practice of being emotionally aware. So why should our kids label their emotions? There is actual science behind it labeling your emotions called affect labeling. It helps you distance from the experience of it. It makes it less, um, what's that word? Like when things are flamed, inflamed, <laughs> it makes it less inflamed. And there's a cute saying that's come from this science called name it to tame it. So you get some distance of it. And the more you know that feeling, 
the easier it can be to pinpoint the reason. So let's say I might be feeling sad or regret or lonely. And all of these in my body might kind of feel a little bit different, but I recognize they're all sort of like a heaviness, like a kind of a depressive state. But I want to know which one it is because each one of those emotions come from a different set of thoughts and circumstances. So I want to really be able to pinpoint that emotion and label it within myself. I can't tell you how many fights this would have solved in my marriage <laughs> earlier on if I was able to pinpoint an emotion that I was feeling so I could investigate what was behind it instead of taking that emotion and doing something called emotional reasoning where we say, I'm feeling bad, so my life must be bad. No, 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 let's dial it back. <laughs> let's go way back. The fourth step is empathy. And I cannot say enough about empathy. If you go back to episode 84, how empathy can transform your parenting relationship, I have a lot more to say about this. We think that empathy will coddle our kids or it will make them wallow, but it does the opposite. It makes them feel seen. It gives them permission to have an emotion. And it's just like expressing empathy between friends or spouses or partners. Empathy creates safety and connection. If I tell, if I come to my husband and I tell him how upset I am and there is, okay, I used to be a health inspector and one time this food, this restaurant owner was screaming at me. He was inebriated and, and it was, it was a really tough experience. And if I come home and I'm like all upset about this and if he said things like it's part of the job, get over it or, or what did you do? Or he was probably having a hard day. Then instantly I feel invalidated. Maybe I even feel totally out of line for having those emotions. I definitely feel disconnected to him. And whatever he's going to say to me now, it's going to fall on deaf ears. And our kids are the same. Empathy does not reward their emotions. It does not punish their emotions. It just says to them, oh, so you're angry with your brother that he got to go to his friend's house, but you didn't. I, yeah, I understand that. It doesn't say, well, why didn't you get to go? Like, what were you doing that you weren't allowed? <laughs> and it doesn't talk them out of it. It doesn't tell them, oh, well, uh, you can go, you go all the time. And, and this is so fun for him and we should be happy for them. It doesn't do that. It, and it doesn't excuse misbehavior. Remember, you can feel mad, but you cannot scream at me. You can feel totally sad, but you cannot slam doors. It's just about making space and, and listening. Like, okay, I hear you. You've been heard. You've been seen. Your emotion makes sense. If I understand what it's like to be a six-year-old boy whose older brother is gone and he can't go, that would make me angry too. I'm going to link to a really sweet TED Talk in the show notes about having empathy with our kids and making a space to just listen to them. It's super, super sweet. And the fifth step is to set limits and problem solve. And you know what's interesting is that at least for me, when I started parenting, this is where I would start. I would start with the limits, <laughs> maybe not even the problem solving. So now I hope you can see that the steps ahead can actually make this job so much easier and not just easier for your kids, but for us as moms too. Because if I'm being mindful of my emotions through the day and the hard one comes up like overwhelm, I can start to notice, oh, it's overwhelmed. Here it is. What's going on? I can start to have empathy for myself and then I can decide what I want to do about it. Instead of just like what I used to do, letting the emotions pile up into this huge mountain and feeling frazzled and just trying to make it go away with unhealthy coping habits. So setting limits, it means that we address 
how the situation was handled. So we've talked about the empathy, we've addressed the feelings. Now let's address what happened from those feelings. Because it's okay to be angry, it's not okay to hit your sister. And depending on the age, depending on the situation, there's different conversations you can have with your kids. Like, how do you feel about what happened? How do you want to fix this? What will you do next time? What do you think your consequences should be? And I think it's important to remember two things. One is to do this from a calm and a clean place. So if that means you tell your kids, I'm I have some big emotions about this. I'm stressed out by what's happening here, or I don't have time to deal with this. We're coming back to this. We're going to come and talk about this later and following up on that for sure, right? We don't want to give consequences when we are stressed and we are panicked. Panic parenting will not be parenting on purpose. We will not be parenting as the moms we want to be when we parent from panic and stress. Talk to your kids about this when they're calm too. Give them a chance to calm down. If you want to hear about more about how stress hijacks our brains, go listen to episode 113 on stress and thriving. The other thing that I want to just emphasize here, and I think this is just a personal preference in parenting, it's my personal preference, is that I always hear them out. I'm going to hear out their side. I'm going to hear out their ideas. What do they think would solve this problem? Because I want to hear... Sometimes they have good ideas. Sometimes they have good solutions for the problems that I don't have. And I want to give them the skill of being part of that conversation instead of it having having it handed down to them. I want them to start learning how to solve their own problems in the world. So those are the five steps. I want to answer a couple of questions and tell you later how you can get some more in-depth support on emotional intelligence with your kids. The first question, I'm going to paraphrase it. So if your kid's doing something bad... And you kind of ignore that for the sake of de-escalating the situation. Will your child perceive that as an approval to act in that negative way? And I really think this depends on the age of your kids, the frequency of this behavior. And we all hear the term bad behavior that you've used in the question, like it's bad behavior. But we all have different ideas in our mind of what that might be. But I do agree in the moment, let's focus on de-escalating. Let's lower the stress response. Let's get everyone to a calm place. But what I would definitely encourage, and I think you'll find it helpful to make sure that your kid isn't interpreting this as approval, is to come back at this at a later time when you're both calm. And I do this often, especially with my six-year-old. I It's like a quiet moment and I'll be like, hey, earlier this happened and then I noticed you did this. How do you feel about it? And first he's like, can we just not talk about this? And I'm like, no, this is the consequence. You have to talk about it now. So we talk about um, what went on. If he's old enough, we can problem solve. And I always let them know that this is the standard in our home. This is what I expect from you. If you don't do it, this will be your consequence. Maybe they have ideas on what their consequence should be. So that is just having that conversation from a calm place, bringing them into the problem solving and letting them know that we have standards in our home and we will be enforcing them. The next question is, how can you acknowledge negative feelings without reinforcing the negative mindset? Like if your child is complaining about something, how do you validate their feelings of disappointment without encouraging more complaining and negativity? And I love this question because if you're like me, you're thinking of a couple adults in your life who have been complainers and negative, And we think that if we show them empathy, it's going to fuel their fire, right? But in my experience over the years of life coaching is that it's not a problem of someone getting too much empathy. 
it's a problem of this person not being able to process their own emotions properly. So they dump them into everyone. They spill over. It's like their head is so full of all of the negativity and they don't know what to do with it. And it just comes spewing out. And I think we probably all do this in different ways. Modern research tells us that empathy allows us to move through the experience faster when we receive empathy from ourselves or from others. So there's two things that I would consider here. In my experience, empathy works. I've, I've seen this work. There's been times in my life where my kid is hurt and I'm just like, yep, yeah, you're fine. And they will probably keep crying and sulking because they, they want that expression of empathy. They want that extension. They're human, <laughs> just like me. But if I'm at a stage now where if my kid gets hurt, I'm, I'm over there with them. Are you okay? Like you just bailed. Do you need anything? And what I've noticed since I've started doing this is they will often be like, I'm okay. Or can I have a bandaid? And yeah, maybe I'll get an ice pack. Like they're not wallowing. They are just like, okay, someone's here. Someone's supporting me. I don't have to carry all of this on my own. The other thing I will say is that we don't have to be so uncomfortable with our kids feeling negative emotions. Like we don't, sometimes I want to wallow. <laughs> sometimes I need to wallow. And I think what can be really helpful here is that we can give our kids the space to start feeling what they're feeling. We can give them tools to learn how to process them. And what I always tell my kids is when you're ready, let me know if you need help. When you're ready to move on, like if you want to be sad right now, go ahead. But when you're ready, let me know and I can help you if you want it. And the last question I want to cover, which piggybacks on here, is how do you empathize authentically when you don't really care that the pink spoon is dirty? <laughs> this is so funny because I feel like I have so many examples in floating in the back of my brain about toddler drama, and it just runs at this higher level <laughs> than adult drama. But to them, it's real, guys. Like, just like adults, when we have drama and it feels feels real, if someone tells us it's insignificant or frivolous, we're just going to crash and burn, right? Disconnection right there. So my advice to you would be to remember, this is where they learn that I care about their experience. And I think there's a component of faithfulness here that I might not agree with you, but I care about your experience. So let's focus more on the experience they're having rather than the circumstance. And it's so simple, like we can just be totally neutral, like the pink spoon is dirty. You love the pink spoon. Hmm. I get it. Sometimes my favorite gluten-free pie is out of the cafe when I go to get a slice on Saturday. I don't get slices of pie on Saturday. I wish. I wish there was gluten-free pie in my town. But it's like I can kind of get that she said that her, the thing she wants is not here. Sometimes it happens to me. And if your child's old enough, you can start to move the conversation towards like, well, what do you want to do? And what do you think we should do? Do you want to clean that spoon? I can teach you how to wash it. Do you want to get a different one? You could save up your allowance and buy yourself seven pink spoons and have one every day of the week. All right, guys, that's been my run through on emotional intelligence for our kids as parents. And if you want to dig into this deeper, I've just been like deep diving into the world of emotional intelligence. I've been taking a course from the Gottman Institute on emotion coaching, and I, I just really want to open up this conversation and take all of these steps even deeper. So I'm going to hold a emotional intelligence for moms. I don't know what I'm going to call it. Bootcamp workshop. I don't know. It's going to be held though on Thursday, June 3rd. If you are on the email list, there will be 
details to come out on that. So if you're not on the Simple Saturdays email, you should totally join that. It's fun email. It's not like other email. It comes out twice a month and I just share things that you don't see anywhere else. Like what I'm decluttering, things I'm doing with my family, tips, ideas. I, I try to keep it short and fun and to the point and always make sure that there's just some kind of simple action or simple mindset being proposed that you can move forward with that week. All right, I know I'm passing my personal 20-minute quota limit, but here we go, simple pleasure that I want to share with you. And this has got a very Hygge vibe. That's Hygge, H-Y-G-G-E, that Danish word for contentment and connection and coziness, something that I brought into my life and I just love it. My kids think it's kind of weird that I'm always doing this, but I love to light candles. I've got some brass candlesticks that I got from my parents and I put in those long white taper candles and I light them at least weekly for some kind of dinner, no matter what we're having. If it's crepes, if it's tacos, I just light the candles and it it just creates this soothing warm feeling and it's so easy like isn't that so simple get yourself a simple white candle and just light it today I love to do it once I'm done cleaning like a ritual like a cleaned Saturday and I'm just gonna light the candle maybe put it on the stove I think that's a nice place to put it sometimes it's away from people and just enjoy that ambiance Alright guys, go to the show notes. If you can't find them, go to simpleonpurpose.ca, click listen. All of the shows are there where all of the show, show notes are. Show notes, it's not a word. And you can click on any of the links and make sure to sign up for Simple Saturdays and I will catch you there as well. Talk to you later. Have a great week.